Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Oh man, what a great day to be in church. I I love this series that we're in. We're We're calling it, It Takes a Village. It takes a village. And the idea behind it is to talk about this community of family and friends and, you know, the relationships that God has given us. If you were here last week, we kind of kicked off this idea and we talked about parenting, parenting, parenting your children. We're studying the life of Abraham and some of the dynamics in his family. We talked about how important it is to raise godly kids, not just for their benefit, but for the the generations that will come after them. How many of you were here last week for that installment? Okay, so we, we talked about last week the topic of today. I'm excited to talk to you about today. We're going to talk about picking your spouse, picking your spouse. We're going to talk about finding the right one. Ooh, I see some people sitting up straight today. I see some people taking some notes. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 24, and we're going to take that entire chapter and stroll through that chapter to to discover some things about how to find the right one. As you're turning there, let me read you this story. A man walking along a California beach was deep in prayer, and he prayed, Lord, would you grant me one request? The sunny California sky clouded above his head, and in a booming voice, the Lord said, because you've tried to be faithful to me in all your ways, I will grant you one request. The man said, God, would you build a bridge to Hawaii so I can drive over anytime I want? The Lord said, my child, your request is very materialistic. Think of the enormous challenges for for an undertaking that size, the supports required to reach the bottom of the Pacific, the concrete and steel it would take over thousands of miles. I can do it, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time. Think of another request, one that you think would honor me. The man thought about it for a while, and he said, well, God, I wish I could understand women. I want to know how they feel inside and what they're thinking when they give me the silent treatment. I want to know why they cry and what they mean when they say, oh, nothing. (laughs) Lord, how can I make a woman truly happy? God replied, about that bridge, you you wanted two lanes or four. Ah, we're going to talk about the mystery of romantic love today. Can you say amen? Proverbs said it this way. I love Solomon, one of the smartest men of all times. He said, there are three things that amaze me. No, four things I don't understand. How an eagle glides through the sky. How a snake slithers on a rock. How a ship navigates the ocean. And how a man loves a woman. Can I get a good amen? You see, for centuries, we've tried to unlock this mystery of romantic love. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you are here today and you're married, you're loving life, but you still haven't figured it all out? Let me see your hands. Some married folk up in the house. Okay. I think you're going to hear some things today that will help you. 
All right? How many of you are single and you're thinking, today is a game changer? Come on, how many single people in the house saying, today is my day? Oh, yes, indeed. How many of you are single again and you're thinking, Mike, where was this message 10 years ago, 15 years ago? I needed this back in the day. Some of you may be parents or grandparents here and you're thinking, you know what? I'm going to get a copy of this message because I know someone that's going to need it. Can I have a better amen? I think there's something for everybody today in this message. You know, it's interesting to me how, you know, out of 20 plus years of ministry, Rachel and I have been in ministry for over 20 years, and the number one question I get, it's not, hey, tell me about your Bible study. Um, Tell me about how to pray better. Um, Tell me about the, the, the strategy of reaching people or sharing your faith. You know the number one question I get after 20 plus years of marriage? It's this, how did you know that Rachel was the one? How did you know? You know, outside of Jesus Christ, the decision you make to spend the rest of your life with an individual is the most important decision you'll ever embrace. Now, I know there's interesting dynamics with this because, you know, a lot of us have walked through a series of relationships, and maybe you're here today and you're hurt. Maybe you carry heartache from some things in your past. You know, if you look at modern statistics of marriage, they say that whether you're in church or outside of church, that the average uh, married couple, they said that statistically 50% of all marriages end in divorce. How many know we got a problem? How many know we got a lot to learn when it comes to finding the right one? Somebody said this, dating brings out the best of you, but marriage brings out the rest of you. I heard a guy say the other day, he said, my, my marriage is a three-ring circus. First is the engagement ring, then the wedding ring, and now the suffering. <laughs> How many of you know if you find the right one, there's nothing like it? And if you find the wrong one, there's nothing like it. You know, I've read this recently too. An older lady, she having never been married, she had never been married, never dated. Uh, she was preparing funeral arrangements, okay? And so she had an interesting request to her family and friends. She requested that at her funeral there would be no male pallbearers, no male pallbearers at her funeral. They asked her why. Interesting. That's an odd request. Why would you say no male pallbearers at your funeral? She said because the guys wouldn't take me out when I was living. And so they're sure not going to take me out when I'm dead. How do we choose the right spouse? How do you know that you found the right one? Look at Genesis chapter 24. We're, again, going to look at the the, the life of Abraham and his family. Genesis 24, starting with verse 2. This is a great chapter. It's got 67 verses in this chapter. I don't have time to read it all today, but I encourage you, sometime today or over the next week, read this chapter. It is chock full of so much great stuff. But we're going to pick out about three or four thoughts out of Genesis 24 and discover how to choose the right one. Genesis 24, verse 2. The Bible says this, one day Abraham said, now that's important, There's a reason why that's highlighted on the screen. I want you to underline that, circle that phrase in your Bible. That's important. We'll discover why. One day, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my right thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, 
Go to my relatives and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Now, last week we talked about taking an oath and Old Testament practices. I'm glad I'm living in the New Testament. I don't want anybody putting their hand on my thigh. You're going to get punched in the mouth. But Abraham is talking to his, his, his chief servant, Eleazar. Interesting, if you remember in previous chapters, when Abraham and Sarah didn't have a son and God made a promise for Abraham, Abraham's like, listen, without a son, I'm going to have to leave everything I have to my servant, Eleazar. This is the same servant. Now that Abraham has sons, in fact, the son of promise is Isaac, he says, Eleazar, I want you to make a commitment to me. Don't allow my son to marry any of these local Canaanite women. I want you to go back to my homeland, back to my relatives, back to my family, and choose a wife for Isaac from there. Now, here's the first thought that we see right at the beginning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, trust God in the process. If you're going to find the right one, you're going to have to trust God in the process. Here's what's interesting. If you read Genesis 24, it's got 67 verses. You don't hear anything about Isaac doing anything, saying anything. He has actually very little part to play in this. It all starts with, one day Abraham said. Notice this. The father saw his son saw the need that his son had. The father spoke something and set some things in motion. Abraham, uh, Isaac didn't have to beg. He didn't have to plead. He didn't have to worry. Isaac didn't have to do a whole lot because the father saw the need and the father initiated a plan. I want you to know if you're single in the house today and you have a longing to spend your life with someone, you don't have to beg, you don't have to plead, you don't have to worry. One day, Abraham said, I'm gonna tell you, one day God will say. Are you with me? You know the, the phrase out there, one day my prince will come. One day my prince, someday my prince will, you know. And you're kind of riding off into the sunset of eternal marital bliss. You know, don't you wish everything was like a Disney movie? It's just, oh, yeah, one day my prince will come. I heard a girl say, hey, I think my prince got ran over by a bus. <laughs> one day Abraham said, listen, God sees the season that you're in. He knows what you need, and he's going to speak and set things in motion on your behalf. You're going to have to trust the Father in the process. Does that make sense? Now, I know under Old Testament law in, in, in that day, the custom was you had an arranged marriage. Marriages were arranged. In fact, now that I'm married, I've got three kids of my own. I'm in favor of arranged marriages. <laughs> It's interesting, when we worked with, with the college students years ago, and of course a lot of international students here at LSU and at Southern, they would marvel at the barbaric practices that we have of dating here in the West. Are you kidding me? Why would you pick your own spouse? You've never been married. You don't have life experience. Why wouldn't you trust your parents to, who, who understand life and they've been married? Why wouldn't you trust them? That's interesting how now in this culture, in this custom, we don't practice arranged marriages, but we serve a God who arranges the details of our lives. The Bible says that, a, that, that, that the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and God will delight in every detail of his life, Psalm 37, 23. 
Even though we don't arrange marriages, God arranges details. And I love the fact that Isaac, he's not tripped out. He's not worried. He's not upset. He's just simply busy being Isaac. And Abraham sees and says to his servant, okay, I want you to go find a wife for my son. Let me just encourage all the single men and women in the house today. If you're single, settle down and enjoy your life. Settle down and enjoy your life. You can relax. Um, I, I want to I mitigate some of the things that we hear in media and culture. I mean, think about it. All the TV shows, so many different dating websites, all the movies, the music, it's all pushing people toward, hey, you've got to be in a relationship. You've got to be dating somebody. You've got to be married. And if you're not dating somebody and if you're not married, then what's wrong with you? Almost like you're defective if you're by yourself. I want you to know, when God created you, he created you with value and with purpose. And you are complete in Christ. You're not half a person. You're not just struggling trying to figure it out until you get somebody in your life. Listen, be like Isaac and be okay with where you are and trust your heavenly father to speak on your behalf. Is this making sense? And my, my fear is if we buy into what culture says, you know, and I've, I've talked to individuals, you know, in, in, in your 20s, you're, you're full of hope. You're thinking, you know, okay, I, I've just finished school or maybe you started a job and you're working, kind of getting on your career. You're in your 20s and you're hopeful to find somebody. But then if you kind of step into your 30s and you still haven't found anybody, you get a little nervous. And then it's like, man, I've attended all of the weddings of my friends. I'm tired of being a, a, a bridesmaid or a groomsman. You're in your 30s, you get a little anxious. And then if you creep into your 40s, then you flat out hit a panic. Right? Oh, Lord, I'm going to grow up and be an old maid. I'm going to be all by myself. Don't want to be... And then you think, okay, I'm 40 and I haven't found anybody. And man, look, the, the last train is about to leave the station. And if I don't, all aboard, I got to jump on that train or I'm going to be by myself. No, 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 no. Listen, God created you with value. He created you with significance. Just because you're single doesn't mean you're insignificant. Can I have a better amen? Trust your father to speak on your behalf. Consider this. I didn't even say this in the last service. But, you know, Adam and Eve, remember in the garden, whenever God had created Adam and everything was good, he looked down and said, it's not good for man to be alone. What did he tell Adam to do? Adam, you just lay down here and you rest. Won't you take a nap? And while Adam was sleeping, what was God doing? He was busy at work. In fact, he took a rib from Adam's side. I'm going to tell you, you're single. The answer you're looking for is inside of you. Ooh, come on. Holy Ghost right there. What you're looking, you're going to find the answer inside of you. While Adam was resting, God was working. And from that rib, he made a woman. And Adam wakes up and says, whoa, man. Woman. Get it? Whoa, man. You know what God didn't do? God didn't wake up Adam and say, Adam, you're going to love me for this. You know, I know you're kind of lonely. And well, while you were sleeping, guess what I did? And look, somewhere in this garden, I've hidden this beautiful woman, and it's for you to find. Marco, Polo. Marco, Polo. 
Adam didn't even have to search. You know what? When he woke up, the Bible says God brought the woman unto the man. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to wrestle. You don't have to fight. You don't have to get all upset and worried. But God sees your need. God moves on your behalf. And in the right time, in the right way, God's going to give you exactly what you need. Now, let me, let me just stop here and say this. Anything you have to have to be happy other than Jesus is something that the devil can use against you. Now, that'll set somebody free. Listen to that with your spirit. Anything you think you have to have to be happy other than Jesus is something that the devil will leverage against you. Well, you know what? I got to have that car. And if I get that car, that car is that status symbol that says something to all my friends that I have arrived. I'm not going to be happy till I get that car. The devil will use that car against you. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I got to get that job, making that right money, and if I can buy that house. And, well, it's not about the car. It's not about the job. It's not about the house. If you make your happiness about those things, the devil will punish you with those things. Well, I, I won't be happy until I find somebody to share my life with. Wait a second. Then that will torment you. The devil will use the absence of relationship to torment you. And, and, and you've got to surrender your singleness to God. Lord, I I trust that you created me. This desire I have to spend life with somebody, it will be met by you and by you alone. Find purpose in the season you're in. You're in this season for a reason. Look at this, verse 5. So Abraham says, hey, I want you to go. Don't let my son marry a Canaanite woman. Go back to my land, to my country. Pick from my people. Look at what he says, verse 5. The servant asked, But what if I can't find? Mm -mm -mm. This is where a lot of us are today. You're single and you're thinking, but what if I can't find the one? Lord, okay, I'm trusting you, but what if I can't find? He says, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? Look at what Abraham says in verse 6. No! Somebody say, no. No. He says, no, don't you dare. Be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from my native land, he solemnly promised to give this land to me and all of my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you. Come on now. That's a promise. Now, if you're single and you want a promise to hold on to, just know that God will send an angel ahead of you. He says, God's going to send this angel ahead of you, and he'll see to it that you find a wife there for my son. But if she's unwilling to come back with you, then you're free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. Now, notice what was important to Abraham. Abraham was living in the promised land. Isaac was there in the promised land. And the servant says, but what if she's not willing to leave her home to come to the promised land? Abraham says, no, 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 no. Isaac's not leaving the promise. He's not going to step outside of God's promises to find a wife. If that's the case, if she refuses to come with you, then you are free from the oath and the commitment that you've made. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Not only trust God in the process, number one, but number two, hold to God's standards. In a relationship, 
hold to biblical standards. You see, some of you are you're, you're in church, you love the Lord, you've got values, you've prioritized your faith, you've got standards of purity and holiness. And look, the, the question is, but what if they're not willing to come and live in the promise? Abraham says, I would rather my son be single than to leave the promise just to marry somebody else. Tell you what, loneliness, it can be found in singles, but how many know you can be married and extremely lonely in a marriage? Some people have left the promise of God because they feel like they got to attach themselves to someone else. And if we're not careful, we'll leave the blessing, the favor, the promise, the purposes of God and attach ourselves to a relationship that's not godly. God hadn't blessed it. Some of us are forfeiting the blessing of God because we think we can find it in somebody that's outside of the plan of God. Can I just say it in simple terms? If you're going to marry, marry a born-again believer. Marry somebody who loves Jesus like you love Jesus. Listen, if they haven't received the love of God, how are they going to know to love you? What are they going to love you with? Is the world going to teach them commitment? Is the world going to teach them to persevere? No, no, no. You want somebody to love you with a God kind of love. You said, but Mike, I met him on Christian Mingle. Can I just stop right here for a moment? Can I talk where we live? And God bless Christian Mingle. I'm, I'm not against, you know, I'm not against that. But just because I go to Chick-fil-A doesn't make me a chicken nugget. Right? Come on now. But I met him on Christian Mingle. Ah. But wait, but, 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 but his dad is a deacon. Well, I, I, I have enough Jesus for both of us. Ah, ah, ah. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you just, uh, the seven guys that I've been considering, you've just eliminated all of them. Can I tell you this? You can thank me later. Because I have saved you from seven times the hell, the hurt, the heartache, and the pain. Can I have a good amen? This is so fun. I love this. Don't get mad at me. Please don't get offended. Here's what the scripture says. Let me, let, me, let me quote the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul said it this way. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Ladies, just because you kiss a frog doesn't mean he's going to turn into a prince. If you... Let me say this. Here's what I tell my daughters. If you can't trust him to obey God when he's single, he will break your heart if you marry him. If he's not going to obey God when you're dating, what makes you think he's going to follow God in a marriage? You've got to hide your heart so deep in God that a man will have to seek God in order to find it. If he's going to find you, you're so hidden in Christ, bro, he's going to have to dig through the gospels. He's going to have to dig through the scriptures. He's going to have to dig through your, your parents, your pastors, your youth pastors, all of your godly friends. He's going to have to find you because you're hidden in him. 
Now, let me be quick to say, and I, I, I understand that everybody has different experiences. Maybe somebody's here today and you say, well, pastor, I'm married, but my spouse is not a believer. This is not an excuse to jump out of a marriage. Please don't use this. Don't go home and say, man, I quit. I'm out. Pastor went, eh, eh, eh. You ain't no chicken nugget. Get out. <laughs> no, no, no. God gives you grace to stay in the marriage that you're in. Okay? Please, please. In fact, the Bible's very clear. Read 1 Peter chapter 3. Read the first three verses of 1 Peter chapter 3, and God gives us instruction on how to act in a marriage, even if you're unequally yoked. God, God wants you to hang in there. There's a reason why God hates divorce. He doesn't hate the people who've been divorced, but he hates what divorce does to the people that he loves. Hang in there. God, God will put a grace on you. Um, when it comes to leaving the promise, don't leave your promised land. Isaac wasn't going to leave the promised land. No, no, no. She's got to be willing to leave the lifestyle that she's in and embrace the God that you serve. All the, the, the singles that are, that are dating and considering marriage, set some boundaries for purity and holiness. You want your relationship to be blessed by God. And God says no. God says no because he's a loving father. God's not trying to be some cosmic killjoy and say, well, you can't do anything fun. When it comes to physical intimacy, when it comes to sex, God says no in two ways. He says, don't have sex before you're married and don't have sex outside of your marriage. But if you're married, have plenty of sex. <laughs> Enjoy it. I know we kind of a little awkward, kind of chuckle. And, but you know what? God says husband and wife in the context of marriage, bro, intimacy is blessed. When God looked down at Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Well, what does that mean? Well, well, well I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yes, you do. Get busy in Jesus' name. God wants you to have a good time in your marriage. I see some husbands elbowing their wives right about now. Hey, pastor, we got we to listen to pastor. You need to make plans. Go out on a date night. Get a babysitter for the kids. Get together. You see, that's the issue with relationships. You got single people that are sad and married people that are mad. You need to have more love and intimacy in your relationship. Listen, when you get married, it is blessed. But God says, don't be physically intimate with somebody who's not your spouse. Don't look outside of your covenant marriage to fulfill your physical needs. Why does God tell us no? Why does a parent say no to their child? Why do we tell our kids no? It's not for their restriction. It's for their protection. God's trying to protect us from something. Are you with me? Abraham told his servant, if she's not willing to leave that life and come live in the promise, then she's not the one for my son. Number two, you've got to, you've got to hold to the standard of God. Now look at what it says in verse 14. So the, the, the servant, he saddles up his camels, he loads up all his gear, and the Bible says he embarks on a long journey to go back to where Abraham was from. And he enters this town, this village, and he sees a well outside of the, the, the community. And it's in the evening, and all the ladies are coming to draw water from the well. And so he begins to pray. And what he says is this, verse 14, Lord, this is my request. I'll ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jar. And if she says, yes, have a drink, and I'll water your camels too, 
Let that be the one you've selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know. Okay, notice that phrase. This is how I'm going to know that you've shown unfailing love to my master. Some of you are in a dating relationship and you're thinking, how will I know that he's the one? How will I know that she's the one? Number three, write this down. You've got to evaluate their character. Evaluate their character. There is a, a period where you evaluate and you watch and you observe. The servant, he, he kind of, he, he asks for confirmation. God, if she's the one, then let her not only give me a, a glass of water, but let her offer to water my camels too. Now, let me tell you something about this whole camel thing, okay? Because you'll read it this week and you'll just fly right by it and not even understand the significance of it. Let me give you a little camelology 101, okay? One camel can drink up to 40 gallons of water in one setting. One camel can drink up to 40 gallons of water in one setting. How many camels did the servant have? He had 10. That's 400 gallons of water. Now, one gallon is the equivalent to eight pounds. If one gallon is the equivalent to eight pounds, what do the math? How many, how, how many pounds is 400 gallons? 3,200 pounds of water. That's over 1.5 tons of water. Okay, now, now this is no small task. If an ancient jar was three gallons, think about this. It would take her over 130 trips from the well to the watering trough. 130 trips back and forth to supply over a ton and a half gallons of water. Think about it. Think about it. It'd take her over three hours to water those camels. And in my mind, I'm watching this play out. Here's the servant, Abraham's servant. He's traveled a great distance. He's asked for a cup of water. Oh, and while you're up, can you, would you? And she offers to water the camels for him. And he's thinking, oh, Lord. I just told you right over there that if she were to offer to water the camels, could she be the one? And here she goes from the well to the trough, from the well to the trough, back and forth, back and forth. And the servant's just like. You're doing good. Just kind of cheering her on. Think about massive undertaking. You know what you got to do if you're in a dating relationship? Watch how they behave. Rachel and I dated for four years, and you know what I did? I watched her. How she act when she's with her friends. Is she, does she have to be the center of attention? You know, is she, does she dominate conversation? How, how does she respond to her roommates? Is she a good friend? Is she kind? Is she caring? What, what is she, how does she talk to her dad? Does she honor her dad? Is she respectful? Does she value her family? How does she handle money? I watched her give. Is she a giver? Is she generous? How does she handle pressure? When, when things are tough, how does she respond? Does she love God as much as I love God? You got to watch them. Man, when Rachel and I, I went to her church. I, I remember in the early days going to her church, not because I liked the pastor, but I liked her. And I would, I would sit on one side, and, man, I'd look at her across the way, and, man, worship would be happening. And I know you're supposed to focus on God, but I was focused on her. That music would start, and she'd just lift up her hands, and I'm thinking, oh, yes, Lord. 
Yes, well, she loves you, Jesus. I, I think I love her too. Lord, I'm just, and just so the next year I'd sit a little closer. Next service, man, I just found myself right next to her. And I loved it when the pastor said, why don't you take your neighbor by the hand? <sighs> yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Oh, gee. And it, when, when I touched her hand in church, it was like 220 volts of electrical power. <laughs> And then there came a day when we reached down and take your neighbor's hand and we kind of locked fingers like this. Hey, hey. That's a whole nother level of commitment right there, right? Right? And her parents, they would make us sit in front of them so they could like keep an eye on us, you know? I mean, her dad's very stern, very strict, and man, church of God, and bless God, we're holy. So I'll never forget sitting in the pew in front of them. And she was right next to me. And one time, I'll never forget this, she crossed her leg. And she tucked her foot behind my calf muscle. Ooh! Glory! Glory! I heard the heavenly choir singing. I started naming the kids right there in church. Maybe you know that's true. Is that not true? Did it, you did that. You totally did that. Mess me up, girl. I watched her. I didn't just watch. She's beautiful on the outside, but I had to know if she is pretty on the inside as she is on the outside. You see, beauty's only skin deep, but ugly goes straight to the bone. Come on now. <laughs> Evaluate their character. Listen, listen, listen. Quit dating based on lips, hips, and fingertips. Come on now. You got to evaluate where is their heart. Are you catching this? The servant's just watching her, man, she's working hard. Man, 130 plus trips after three hours, finally, she gets all the camels watered. And so he's thinking, man, she could be the one. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of the chapter. I've run out of here. Oh, goodness, I can't believe it. You need to read the conversation that, that this servant has with her family. But I want you to see what happens. Ask the band to come up. Y'all get up here quickly, quickly, quickly. So he goes back home. She invites him to, to, to eat at her house. And so he has conversations with her dad and with her brother. And he finds out, wait a second, this lady is actually from Abraham's family. God, you sent me on this long journey to this particular well. And of all the ladies that I run into, what are the odds that I would pick one from my master's family? I'm going to tell you this. In, in the kingdom, there's no such thing as random. I'm telling you, God is not a God of accidents. You just think, well, that's coincidence. No, it's not. It's kingdom. Amen. And so through a series of, of conversations, they realize, wait a second. Do you, do, obviously, God is in it. God is in this. I want you to know when you're dating somebody, the spiritual authority in your life will confirm that God is in it. Whether that's your parents whether that's your pastors, whether that's your teachers, whether that's close friends, you will have spiritually-minded people that it's unmistakably clear, God, you're in this. And so here's the question. Would you go back to live in the promise? Because if she refuses, doesn't matter how good all the resume is, Isaac's not leaving the promise. Well, guess what? She said yes. Her parents released her. Look at what it says in verse 62. All the way down to verse 62. And finally, we read of Isaac. After 61 verses, 
What was Isaac doing for 61 verses? You see, his dad was at work. I'm going to tell you this, your father's at work. Isaac didn't have to do much of anything. Watch what it says here, verse 62. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, that's the desert. Some of you feel like you're in a desert season right now as it relates to relationships. His home was in the Negev. He had returned from Bir Laharoi. One evening as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and he saw the camels coming. (laughs) The camels are coming. The camels are coming. What was Isaac doing? He was walking. He was meditating. Here's the final thing I want to leave you with. All of you that are single, hear me. Keep walking while you're waiting. Keep walking while you're waiting. You know what? I'm just going to take one step at a time. I'm going to step into today, trust you with it. Lord, I know you're working on my behalf. One day God will say, I'm just going to walk. He's walking and meditating in the fields. What is that? Meditation. He's worshiping. I can just consider the conversation he's having there as he's, he's just faithfully being Isaac, embracing the season that he's in. Man, he's trusting God, knowing that his dad's at work on his behalf. And man, he's walking and meditating. And the Bible says he looks up and he sees a caravan of camels expecting his father. But it's not his dad. It's his future wife. She looks out sees a man walking in the fields and says to Abraham's servant, who is that hunk of hunk of burning love? She saw him. Read it. Your Bible says it. I'm not making this up. She sees this big hunk of, I mean, strong, strapping man just walking, waiting in the fields. And then Isaac looks up and sees this caravan of camels expecting to see his dad, but no, 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 no. That was his sweet pea. That was his baby. That was his beautiful girl. She was gorgeous, and he looked at her. She looked at him. I'm telling you what, in that moment, right time, right place, under the right circumstances, God brought Isaac and Rebekah together. I just think in this, there's a lot of hope for some of you. You think, man, when are my camels coming? The camels are coming. If you just walk and wait and just worship God, your time is coming. Some of you maybe are here today. You say, you know what? I have been broken because of so many mistakes in past relationships. I want to encourage you today that he is the God of the second chance. There is a grace on this place to heal, to forgive, and to restore. I don't know what mistakes you've made in your past, but you've heard a message today where God is speaking. He says, if you trust me in the process, Hold to that biblical standard of purity. Take your time. Don't get in a hurry. Evaluate their character. I'll send the camels your way. That person will come into your life, and you won't have to beg. You won't have to worry. You won't have to stress. I'm at work on your behalf. Amen. You receive that today. Come on, put your hands together if you receive that this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, Go to HealingPlaceChurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.